Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All The Things podcast, episode 23, Motivation. We are still currently ad-free, so if you enjoy our content and are looking for somewhere to support us, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash HTML All The Things. Also, it would really help us out if you could rate and review us on the platform that you're listening to this on. Uh, if your app doesn't let us let you do a review, then maybe you could go on to Apple Podcasts and shoot a review over there if you have that platform in some capacity. It would really help us out. But back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. What have you been up to this week, Mike? Uh, yeah, Matt, thanks. And uh, pretty much this uh, this last week was dedicated to doing a quote for a potential potential new new project with an older client uh it's a website that we're built we're rebuilding for him so it, it could be kind of big especially because it, it's in multiple stages now um i mean the quote went like the, the the whole meeting went pretty well in my opinion a lot better than i thought it was gonna go and uh especially considering it started with a little bit of a I don't know, it was kind of like a little bit of a negative because the business partner that was coming in didn't really want to talk to us uh, due to the fact that we sent him a more technical quote than he was expecting. So it was a kind of a weird situation that we haven't been in yet, but it's it was a good experience for us, I think. And I think moving forward, we might change the way we present quotes as well so that, you know, that could work out for us in the future. So definitely like the fact that we, we went through that together. Um yeah, other than that, just uh, just working on other client work. Uh, very little HTML, the thing stuff, which has obviously got to change on my end. Um, I definitely want to get on onto like a, a tutorial, like even if it's like a short one. I, I do one thing I have been looking at is doing some YouTube tutorials. Um, so I've you know I've installed OBS again on my computer. Uh, I've installed uh, DaVinci to DaVinci Resolve to start editing again. But uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't had the time really to sit down and fully engulf myself in that because I have literally zero editing experience. So it's going to be quite a adventure that uh, I'm sure everyone will be able to follow along on any of my social media platforms like Instagram or uh, potentially even Twitter for H- HTML of things. So yeah, stay tuned for that. But what about you, Matt? Uh, so this week, uh, this week we, we we I mean you and I were both working on the quote uh, for that for the client, and that meeting went really well. Uh, so exactly like I think there was some miscommunication with our original quote uh, on our end and and whatever. So I mean it was a, a different situation that hasn't been brought up to us before. So I mean that's why we mention it is because you know there's always room to, room to improve, um, but there's always ways to catch it. So you know we ended up did we ended up uh, scheduling a meeting and the meeting went really well. Um, I, remember, I I don't know whether this is a famous quote or just somebody told me this, but they, they said that uh, when a meeting becomes a conversation, usually that's a good thing. And that's exactly what that became. It became just like a technical conversation about what what was like, you know, what they wanted, what we thought of our opinions, their opinions, like the whole kind of thing. So that, you know, and that, that's exactly what that was. That's exactly how it went down. And that's that's really good obviously for us and uh, that's really good experience as well so hopefully that uh, pans out going uh, going forward um unfortunately i said i'm going to do two guides i did not get two guides done uh apparently it's a bad idea to promise new content during the holiday season um as we know the holiday season is coming up so that's a whole thing um so i've been shopping and going crazy and as mike would know I'm trying to like maximize some money and there's like a bunch of sales that are coming and going and like hundreds of dollars are coming off of things and 
it's a big mess, so I'm, like, jumping around, hopping sales, essentially, making sure I'm maximizing the dollar, um, because it's, like, not, like, two or three dollars off. It's, like, a hundred dollars off, and it's, like, well, now I gotta go return this and do that, and it's a whole, it's a whole thing, so that, that's what I've been dealing with. Um, however, I did write part of the guide, and I wrote it, like, four times. It's, like, such a basic guide, but, like, I found myself trying to do that perfectionist thing where you kind of like, like, I don't like this, redo it. I don't like that, redo it. I don't like it. And then it was just a mess. So, uh, I have a guide that's like, I'm going to say like 90%, maybe 80% through because I have a couple more sections. Excuse me. So I I have that almost done and I do want that out before the Christmas season, uh, comes out before the holiday season comes out. And then Hopefully then I'll be able to like just start banging out articles, but I've been forcing myself to write a little bit every other day, even like through all this craziness. So I apologize for anyone who's expecting that and I'm sure we'll get more guides up soon. Um, also something crazy happened this week and I, I was going to tell Mike, or I told Mike about it kind of in a, in a uh, text message and I told him I'd tell it on the show. So around two in the morning, uh, a couple days ago, I was working on that guide. And I'm on, I was on my, uh, my Ultrabooks. It's a Tab Pro S. It's a tablet or whatever you want to call it, a convertible. I don't know. But anyway, it's a Windows 10 tablet with a keyboard. Anyway, so I was, I was working on that. I was working away, wrote up my article. And what I was doing is, is because that thing has a smaller internal, like, hard drive, doesn't have a lot of storage, I don't, like, sync our whole, like, OneDrive because we have, like, a OneDrive for company documents and that type of thing. So what ended up happening was, is I was just using the web interface. I was just, like, pulling the thing down, writing it locally, saving it, then uploading it. But then I thought to myself, right before I went to bed, I was like, well, you know, it's two in the morning. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go to bed, but I'm like, I could really just, it'd be really nice if I could just go to OneDrive, like, you know, sign into OneDrive, which I was signed into my personal on the device, um, sign into OneDrive and just say it to sync this one file. And I'll just, every time I need to sync a different file, I'll just, you know, choose a different file on the list. So I sign in, that's not a problem. It tries to populate the list of folders that's in our OneDrive and it fails like it I waited like an actual hour so it's like around 3 a.m at this point and it never showed up but there was like the next button was valid like I could click it it wasn't grayed out so I click the next button it says we failed to grab the list and then immediately start syncing everything so I'm like oh shit I don't want to do that so I went into the software like into the settings really quick and unselected like you know uh, unselected the sync, sync all or whatever and i just pressed okay i never tried to change the settings i pressed okay it immediately starts having all these x's on the status and it start and so i'm like okay i'm just gonna let it do its thing i wait a little bit nothing happens i then click on the x because it'll like if you click on the program and click on the x it'll tell you what the error is and it says these already exist on the OneDrive or something i'm paraphrasing if you want to keep both versions change name or whatever so i'm like okay there's a sync error in which now these are local v- copies of these folders right and that the online ones are identical. And because I said, don't sync, there's like a conflict. So I was like, okay, no big deal. Like, it's not like nothing was overwritten. So what I did was I renamed that directory. I, I signed out of OneDrive. I renamed that directory to old. And I restarted again. But when I did it this time, it didn't even give me the option to select a folder. It just immediately went past that step and tried to sync all again. So I was like, no, 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 no. So I do the same thing. Uncheck select all or sync all. And I delete everything. When I deleted everything, it gave me a warning and said anything that's online only will be straight, like, kicked right out, won't be put through the recycle bin. I was like, well, if it's online, I don't care. I delete it all. When it goes to the recycle bin, I realized that two of our largest folders actually have, a, like, a kilobyte count, like a like a space on disk count. And I was like, oh, shit, this isn't just folders. It actually started syncing content that quickly. So I 
re so with with the sync still off i restore it which goes back into the onedrive folder it gives you the error i check inside there's nothing inside of it so i was like okay now i don't know what to do i end up deleting all that then i go to the web version which is like the master copy on onedrive i go to the web app i go and i check and i go and i check the recycle bin there's a whole bunch of stuff that was deleted a lot like some of it's from today some of it's from older so i go you know what i don't know like none of this stuff is like stuff that explicitly needs to be deleted i'm just going to restore all i click restore all massive conflict comes up there's errors all over the place you can't sync this and holy christ because there's a bunch of stuff named the same thing and it was like a big thing and this is like this 4 a.m now so i'm like okay this is ridiculous i understand it's a long-winded story but this was this was fucking ridiculous so i'm like okay i don't know what to do now so i was like i'm gonna take this laptop and i'm gonna go to bed and i'm just gonna work on this in bed so i'm in bed with a laptop and i'm sitting there like working away and I find out, I start looking through my files and I start going like, well, all our files are here. Like everything appears to be here. I'm like, let me check the files that were most recently done, which is like my guide. And it literally just deleted that folder. Like that was gone. <laughs> but what had happened was I found out and I explicitly left this out in the second time I synced, I did that, you know, unsync all. And then eventually I did actually select sync this folder. So when I deleted it, when I re- after I restored that file out of the recycle bin, I was actually syncing one folder, but it had a sync conflict because it was syncing the whole folder, including all subfolders, which had a conflict. So when I deleted it, it was like sync the delete. So it deleted my work. And so I had this like super old version of the OneDrive, like of, of the OneDrive version of my document, but everything else seemed to be intact. So I was like, okay, I have this still locally. So I literally just wiped it. I just like deleted everything out of the drive. I deleted all that. I went back onto OneDrive, I restored everything, I grabbed my local copy, I kept that, and deleting took forever. It was like 4,000 changes or something, because there was like a whole bunch of fucking files and shit, like I had to clean it all up. Then, I took my old OneDrive file backup, I labeled it as backup sync issue, because I didn't know if there was stuff in there. I put it into the OneDrive, let that sync, that was like 4,000 changes or whatever. Let it sync, after it was done syncing, about 4.30am at this point, I realized that it's done. Right? So that's good. Go and check. Zero size on disk. So I'm like, okay, this is actually empty as well. I didn't tell it to delete. Because there's like a million files in that thing, that takes forever to delete. So I put the thing to sleep and I go to bed. Come back the next morning. Half the half the files are gone. It's 5 a.m. at this point. So I went to bed at 5 a.m. So that's good. Um, So 5 a.m. I go to bed. I wake up the next day at like 10. And I go and I check. And it's only deleted like half of it because the computer went to sleep. Makes sense. So I delete the rest of it from the web version of the client. And then I go back and I realize my documents are out of sync. So I go and I grab, like the, my guide, I mean my guide document was out of sync. So I grab the the master copy on my Ultrabook, the one that I had just finished working on, the best, most recent copy. I grab that and I I try to sync that. It fails because I had done this thing where I was doing like, you know, how like when you have a file and you're just temporarily moving it. So you name the old one old. I was doing that when I was doing the master upload and download when I was like doing it from the web client on my Ultrabook. So there was a conflict now. So then I lo- on my desktop, I lost the master copy. So I had to go back to the Ultrabook. I kept that one local. I went into the OneDrive. I waited for all the sync sh- shit to figure itself out. I deleted everything in that folder. I then grabbed everything, put it in. And then Mike and I, uh, Mike and I also do a backup solution. Like we have a backup solution. So during this whole procedure, I told Mike, I'm like, when's our last backup? He's like the previous day at 6am. And luckily it was a Sunday. So nothing was done except for that night. So I was like, perfect. 6am. 
It's the, probably the most up to date. I'm like, take that, archive it forever because I don't know what the state, what the state of this is. Like, just take it. I'm like, according to all the logs that I have at my disposal, I know, like, I know that this is correct. But as an IT professional, I understand the data is very serious. So let, let's take the backup. That's why it's there. Take the backup, archive it, keep it there. You know, for X amount of time until we determine, yes, this is the, this is good enough at least to go forward, and then we move forward. What the craziest thing out of this entire experience was was that. This was all because I wanted to sync a folder that was already fucking synced. And I stayed up to 5 a.m. doing it. It was a whole disaster the next day. There was files everywhere. And I got an email from SharePoint because I changed and deleted so many files that they were alerting me that this had happened. And to ensure that I, I checked the recycle bin to make sure I actually wanted to do that action. So there's an IT journey for you. There's a, there's a freaking disaster of a disaster of a night. And, uh, what I've learned from that is I will literally never, never in my time mess around with a syncing program in the middle of the night. I will manually sync it via the web client like I was doing and I'll have duplicate copies of it. I don't care. And I'll deal with the duplicates later because at least the data is actually there. I will not be dealing with a data centric program ever again at that time. So, so that's... (laughs) That's a that's a little lesson that I learned and passing on to you. Don't mess around with that type of stuff at four in the morning, three in the morning, two in the morning, any type any time like that. But anyway, I know that's long winded. That's that was my week. <laughs> all that time gonna be put into writing the guide. I probably would have been done, but whatever. Uh that's all our company files, so we needed that. But anyway, okay. Let's move on to the actual episode here. Um So As always, go through the segments. Segment number one, types of motivation. Segment number two, what motivates us. And segment number three, motivation blockers. And then, of course, web news this week featuring scams. So we got a little bit of the the email scams, the phone scams, and the in-person scams. But, of course, we're going to jump to that first segment, types of motivation. So different types of motivation range from the tinkerer all the way to the passionate. And being in any of these different camps generally dictates how much effort and time that you'll put into a field that you're checking out. In terms of web development and design, having a different level of motivation will no doubt determine where you fall within a field. Maybe you'll make a single website for fun, or maybe you'll pursue a career, who knows. One thing I do want to note though, because I'm about to go into the different types, is that these classifications of motivation are from our own experiences and and ideas. They aren't some sort of quote-unquote official classification of any kind, if that even exists in terms of motivation. So the first one, the first classification that we made was called passionate. So when you're passionate about something, you'll typically take it more seriously and do an in-depth, do some in-depth research to learn new things. This type of motivation may steer your career decisions or help you set up a side hustle of some kind. For the web field specifically, this generally means you won't be using your quote-unquote local website builder, something like Squarespace or something like that. You'll actually be diving like headfirst into the code and determine what tools you'd like to use and how to use them efficiently. So, and and one thing I do actually want to know out of there is, like, there's nothing wrong with using a website builder if the project calls for it. But generally speaking, if you're really passionate, you want to be like, how does that, like, button or line? How does this change? What's CSS? You know, so that, that type of thing. That's what we're kind of get, trying to get at with the passionate uh, motivation category, if you will. So the next one is, quote, unquote, forced. So sometimes you're figuratively forced into doing something due to outside pressures, such as a financial situation or availability of work. And when this happens, you may take your work seriously. Um, however, you'll be taking it 
like more seriously and and efficiently than someone who wants to be there because you'll generally want to like want to get in there and just get the work done. So oftentimes some people get trapped into these situations due to outside pressures never alleviating or they or suddenly more like suddenly things pile on. So you kind of like try to weasel your way out of the of the field whether that be by cutting corners or you know, you try to like find other career solutions that don't work out and outside pressures are like forcing you to stay in this job because you need the money or whatever it is, right? So if we're talking about specifically the web industry, sometimes people will be quote unquote forced to prof- to do professional web work either full time um, or they'll be, you know, they'll be kind of forced via being in an associated tech field uh, that suddenly requires web work. And generally this type of work will be rushed in some way, having tasks done the quickest way possible often leaving a lesser quality product. Now, people that are forced in this situation, they can do good work. I'm not saying they're incompetent in any way, but just like with anything, it's like, I don't really care about putting on my snow tires, for example. I don't really care about automotive stuff that much. And so, like, I I mean, I get a mechanic to do it, but if I were to do it, I wouldn't be double quadruple checking it all the time. Like, I'd do it, do it right, as far as I know, and then I'd kind of move on. Whereas if you're the passionate type, You'll be like, man, I like, I want to see this slider work. I want to see if I can shave a second off of the load time. Whereas this guy's like, that's eh, five seconds load time. Good enough. Or, you know, whatever that that's what I mean. So, um, again, not incompetent, just you're kind of like forced to your outside forces to actually be motivated to be in this, in the web industry. So the next one is hobbyist. So hobbyists are people that do like, like to do a variety of things and they get into the, they get in, into them all the way stopping generally just before they get into professional. So there's varying degrees of course of hobbyists, but generally they could technically operate in the professional realm given a small amount of training after they've been in the hobby for a few years. And bringing this again to the web industry, hobbyists will generally not focus on one tool or one language or one segment of the industry, but they'll actually fan out and use a bunch of different tools, ranging from things like site builders, so Squarespace, for example, but then they'll also dabble in some code, getting a full range of experience uh, to build some sites that they're actually interested in. And actually, sometimes these do lead to professional opportunities, like a side hustle or something like that. And just like with any of this, like you could be, you could, you can switch classes in the motivation. Hobbyists might go to passionate. The forced might go to passionate, you know, you might downgrade to hobbyist, etc. You know, it's kind of a fluid thing. But the hobbyist kind of has a a, a, a non-professional setting view of the web industry if they're, you know, if they've been in it for a few years. But that, you know, that doesn't classify everyone. And so the last, I'd say the least motivated, if you will, is a tinkerer. So tinkerers are one step below a hobbyist and they're generally just interested in a field in some remote way. So they'll do a, v- a variety of what we'll refer to as light duties within their interest. So things such as like reading, reading up on some material, maybe dabbling slightly within the field itself and stopping like, you know, well short of investing, you know, some sort of money or a serious amount of time into learning a given field. And when it comes to the web industry specifically, again, these people often need a single website for something they're working on. So they'll, you know, they'll read up on a bunch of different site builders and they'll choose a template they can work on. And, and then they'll just put the template up and that's it. And this would be a main example I would think of this is that this is more of like a blogger. So a, a blogger who's focused on their writing doesn't really want to deal with their website. Their work, their actual work is the writing, the written material itself. So they familiarize themselves with the path of least resistance to getting that website up, running to present their work. And then their work is the, is the actual writing. So they tinker with the, they tinker with the, the industry 
means like basically a means to an end and then they just kind of move on and that's sort of that that's that those are sort of the classifications that we thought of of the different like levels and of course it's like i said it's fluid and you can go in between the levels and that type of thing but those are the general classifications that we've seen in our experience um i'll pass it on to mike now to go on to the next segment unless he has any other comments about this one yeah matt uh so i I think you covered it pretty well uh the only thing i would say is like you said with the fluidity of it i think there is a a gray area sometimes where you can be maybe one or two of these uh maybe even you know all four within a given industry uh and i'll give an example kind of of that like you could be a front-end dev and be working and loving the front-end dev be passionate about it but then your job all, all of a sudden will be um, you know, pivot a little bit where you have to focus on backend development, where you're kind of forced into that because it's your job. So you'll be doing a little bit of front end, which is what you're passionate about, but mostly back end, which is what you're being forced to do. And then outside of that, you could be, you know, looking into uh, maybe a different uh, framework or something as a hobbyist, you know what I mean? Like, so that's your hobbyist part of the web development industry. And then outside of that, you could be a tinkerer as well, where you're looking at maybe a different, um, you know, some smaller package or something just to see what it's like, uh, maybe not going very deep into it. So I think they're all four have their uses for their motivation. Obviously, like you're saying, uh, you know, being one one or the other uh, is is a good distinction. And uh, especially if you're focused on something like you want to I would say you want to make sure that you're passionate about it if it's, you know, if it's your livelihood and if it's something that you're happy with, you know what I mean? Like if you want, if happiness is important to you and your livelihood is important to you, I think passionate is the most important one. But I think being one of each or, you know, being fluid throughout throughout the process is life. And so like you're not going to love your job at all times. You might be forced to do something, quote unquote. And that's that's not a big deal. You can you always want to strive to be passionate. In, in it but like if you're forced to it then just kind of grind it out and try to see if there's any way to make that into a passion um so that, that that's all i really have to add to to that uh segment and what, what i'll move on to now is segment number two uh what motivates us so what motivates us and uh this is kind of my short short list here and i'll talk a little bit about each point so the the, the first thing is the pure enjoyment for coding so i guess this would fall into the passionate section um, but pretty much like for me, I, I really like getting into that rhythm when I'm coding, when stuff's just, you know, clicking and working and it's like, I'm, I'm learning something new while I'm doing something that I already have like attain, attain knowledge in that, that to me is like, it, 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 it fuels me and it makes me want to do more of it. And that, that's why I got into coding in the first place. Like, um, like Matt and I have talked about, we've been in the IT field, uh, we've been in server admin field, uh, like we did that for education, uh, business stuff. Like I, I've, I've tried many, many different things. I used to be a chef, uh, like all these different, all these different industries. But really when I, when I sat down and I started coding and stuff started making sense to me, like initially when you start coding, nothing makes sense and that's okay. Uh, but that's really frustrating. But as soon as starts, stuff starts making sense to you, I, I found that joy in it and, um, and I really, I really put my head down and focused into that because that's where I found joy and that's where I found that I can make a career out of. Uh, and I think that that's, that's what really motivates, like that should be what motivates people is like the, the pure enjoyment for, for the thing that they're doing, in this case, coding. Um, the next thing is uh, I really like creating something from scratch. So I'm not really 
an artist and I've always admired, admired people that could go and, you know, draw a picture and have like a complete picture uh, that's really like, or a painting and it looks amazing. And I, I really like paintings. Like I go to art museums, uh, but I'm not an artist and I'm, I'm not very good at it. Um, so I'm really, I, I use coding. Uh, I use web development as like an, a way to perform something like a way to create something with my hands. Uh, I'm not really handsy for home stuff. You know, like I, I don't do woodworking, but I can, I can write code and that, you know, going from something from nothing and then displaying something on the screen is a big accomplishment for me and a big uh, driving factor into what I'm doing. So I constantly like, I really like it when I just start from absolutely zero, like an empty code, like a JS file. And then at the end, at the end, I can see what, what that empty JS file has turned into and has turned into something that I'm proud of. So I, I like creating things from scratch. Um, next thing I'll is uh, I, for, for like, continuing my motivation and what for for looking for more motivation would be i look at examples of other people's work so i look at really good websites that i like i look at uh, awards websites where they show like the web design awards i I look at um medium articles that like someone will you know do a guide on how to create a full stack application from scratch and i see that and it it motivates me because i see people doing what what i want to do and i see people doing like I, i see the the effort that they put into it. And it makes me want to put that effort into, into what I'm doing. And just kind of looking through these things will, will help me move forward, either starting a project or continue on in a project. So I do that from time to time, uh, just to get some motivation. Um, and another thing is having someone or a group request something that you can make. Uh, I love, I love this kind of stuff. So, um, if, if some, if someone kind of, you know, would contact me and be like, listen, I, can you like, is this something that, is this something you can make? Like, can, can you make, you know, A plus B equals C, whatever that, that could be. Uh, I, I really like the, the motivation of having someone ask me something that I can easily, you know, make where as I'm like, I'm not a plumber, I'm not a, I'm not handsy, but I can make stuff that works on the web. So it, that motivates me because I've always wanted to be like really good with my hands. I've always wanted to be an artist to be able to draw something, but at least I can do something else in the world where it doesn't require me to have that artistic side too much. Or I, or I use the, use the, the most of my artistic side to solve problems in what in coding and web design and stuff like that, which is an outlet for me. So having, having someone or a group of people reach out and ask me to do something um, is, is a motivation, motivating factor for me. Uh, another thing, uh, I get a little small amount of adrenaline from fixing difficult issues. Uh, I like logic. I like logic problems. Uh, so when I see an issue that's been bothering maybe multiple people, or even if it's just bothering a client or something like that, and I fix it, I get that like small, small thing of adrenaline. And I, I like obviously everyone likes the little bit of adrenaline rush and. I'm a big fan of fixing difficult problems in in code. I, I think one of my skills is troubleshooting. Uh, f- like even looking at code that I have, like I wasn't the one that was writing. Like I can usually within a certain amount of time find the issues with it, uh, and and fix the problems or at least identify what they are. Um, the other thing is being part of a coding community. So that's that's happened more recently than anything with with this HTML. The things uh, really like the fact that we're part of the whole coding community. Uh, we're, we're giving back to it. Uh, we're, we're asking the questions. We're receiving questions. I really like it when people reach out to us and say like that 
we've either helped them or uh, they really like listening to, to the podcast or they, they like the guides that I write and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, that kind of affirmation. So that always motivates me as soon as I, you know, as soon as I see a post on Instagram or see a post, uh, a, a post on Twitter that I know like it's an affirmation that we're doing the right thing. So that that's a motivating factor. Um, and then the last thing here is uh, keeping up and learning new technology. So I'm, um, I've always been kind of a technology nut. So this, this of course is in reference to web web development technologies, but I also like, you know, phone technologies, computer technologies, and I keep up with mostly everything technology wise of new battery technology, stuff like that. Uh, but I, I've always liked keeping up with it. So just going on our web dev, going on our web design and seeing a new technology pop up and someone promoting it, uh, it always excites me a little bit and always makes me want to learn it because like, I just, I want to be on top of the curve. Um, even if it's something that I'm not going to delve in completely, I always like to know that it, it exists. Uh, and you know, with that, I will sometimes look back and be like, Oh yeah, I remember I saw that new technology that came out. Maybe it's been, it's matured enough now that I can use it in a project or something like that. So I'm, I'm a big fan of keeping up with, with the newest technologies, the newest updates and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so those, those that's kind of like a short list of what motivates me and like Matt specifically, and I'll, I'll pass it off to Matt if he has anything to add, or I can move on to the next segment. Yeah, so um, I'd say one, and this is probably like specific, maybe to, this is really kind of weird, actually, kind of a weird motivation for me, but it's like, it, it's not weird, it's just like, I like to, like you were saying you like to, you always, always want to be like kind of like a handyman to an extent, but you can be handy with code. And so yep. you, you're solving like a different type of problem. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a handyman. I acknowledge my limitations. Uh, however, I know some of that stuff just due to the, due to being forced, <laughs> due to being forced to deal with plumbing mm-hmm. and stuff as you, as you know. But one thing I do like doing, and I don't know whether it's as a result of doing some plumbing and stuff is that I like to make real things happen. So like, I mean, in the real world specifically. And so what I mean by that is, so, like, this, so I'm, I'm in a house, and so my house is, like, my computer and that type of thing, and, and I can, you know, code programs on the computer and everything, but I actually want to make things happen in the home. So, right now, there's, like, I have, a, like, an infrastructure, so I think maybe maybe my favorite part is actually the architecture of it, but I have an ar- architect, I think that's wrong, but anyway, a created, a designed system in which I'm slowly implementing now, in which, I, so I have a single, <laughs> a single smart switch and a single leak detector. And what I'm doing is I'm making a server to like plug those things into it to have automated things. But then I'm looking at getting automated switches on the plumbing in, in the house that when this leak detector goes off, it shuts the water off the house. And so you don't have to be here and the water will just shut off. Um, stuff like that. I really like that automation thing. And I think part of that comes from the embedded programming as we've talked about in I think it was maybe the first episode where we like we were messing around with actual relays and stuff and making actual lights flick on and off. This is like something that I'm super interested in. And then, like I said, I have a single smart switch. And immediately after doing that, I was thinking, can I do a better web interface? Can I have like a can I have a a better way to interact with this? How do I interact with that? How do I how do I make this thing? Uh, same with my voice assistants back there um, who activate constantly and set each other off and annoy me. They, <laughs> but like, like the instant I got them, I immediately started fucking around. I was like, How, what, what can I plug into this thing? What can I, and, and, but like, so what I'm doing is I'm doing the digital world, right? Where I'm using this code to create sounds from the thing or make, make, uh, make the speaker 
turn the light off and on with different commands. And that sounds like really consumer, but I always do that. I go, all right, what's the consumer experience? Okay, let's go, you know, maybe prosumer experience. And then I go, okay, let's, and of course one of them's talking to me. Of course she is. Anyway, um, uh, so like, like, you know, let's go prosumer. Then let's go a little bit more advanced. So let's, you know, let's do a little server admin or whatever. And now I'm thinking of, okay, well, what can I do now? I have all this information being pulled in. Let's work with that information. And so now I'm at the enterprise level, I'd say, where I'm starting to become like, okay, let's use this server to set this thing off so we can set this thing and let's do this. And like, let's shut these lights off and let's like detect these things. And so like, you know, the house is automated and we don't have to worry about it. Cause I'm all, I'm also all about peace of mind. I'm the warranty buyer at Best Buy, full, full disclaimer there. So, but like, I mean, I like peace of mind, but like, I, I like when something I do like physically interacts with the world. So one really, really brief example is one of the major products that I'm looking at right now. And I'm looking at maybe making one, if it's even possible is cause just for a price is I, I really like the Google assistant. That's my main thing. Um, that's my main like assistant, but I really want a display. So they have smart displays now, but I'm wondering whether I could get a pie, like a raspberry pie. And, and, and I don't know if this is possible. I haven't looked up, but I haven't looked this up at all, but make or use that Android, whatever they call it. It's like, there's a specific version of Android for the displays. I'm wondering if I could get that, put it on there. And then what if I could make my own app, which would plug into my own server, but I'm going to go one step further. I want to make a web server be here so i don't have to have all these tunnels and stuff and like stuff like that i want to have a web server that has a bunch of security on it which i log into the web server which is in the house so i can control the house from the web without vpning without any of that bs none of that because i'm not doing anything super secret it's like you're turning off and on lights but like i want to make that web server so like i'm trying to like take my digital and make something analog happen like if, so, if if I could turn on, like if, I, if we had a, a reasonable price on a garage door that was like a smart garage door, I would just go for it immediately without thinking. Cause like, I got, I don't know. I don't know if that's weird, but that's, that that's one of my main motivators is I want to make the digital become analog so I can actually see it happen. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, you just you want to you want to meld the two worlds together. It, that and it, like it's a good example of a very specific motiv- motivating factor. Uh and people can obviously use those to kind of find their passion, right? Like f- go into their passionate section of work or workplace. So if you're really passionate about that kind of stuff, um or really passionate about anything else really, like it, a, a subsect of the technology that you're in, uh it's it's good to know which which section you're passionate about because it, it that will be the section that you'll want to invest the most amount of time in and that'll be the section that you want to succeed the most and you will succeed the most passion will determine that kind of success so it's it's good to it's a good example of that kind of very specific uh you know channel that that you want to go down and who knows maybe in the future we will go down that channel or you'll go down that channel and figure out figure out a way to you know either monetize it or uh you know turn it into something else so it's cool that was a good good little tidbit there matt well thank you (laughs) yeah uh so yeah so with that i'll move on to segment three and uh this is motivation blockers so uh everyone knows that like you know motivation you can try to get it and but for the most part i think everyone that's listening to this podcast uh anyone that's 
that's think, thinking about doing something, they all know that motivation is hard to come by and there's a lot of things that can stop it. Um, so I'm just going to mention, like, like I did with the previous segment, I'm going to mention a few of them and, and kind of how I deal with those blockers. And if, if anyone in the, the audience has any other motivation blockers and how they deal with it, we'd love to hear from you because I think this is a very big talking point and we can talk about this for hours and hours because like I, I go through it all the time. Like personally, motivation is a big part of what, of how I code. Like I use motivation a lot in coding and uh, if something blocks me, it really affects my work. So I, I try my best to find ways around the blockers, uh, but it doesn't work all the time. So anyway, I'll give you a few examples of how, how I do it. So one of the motivation blockers that I have is when there's just too many projects on the go. Like, so when, when we take on a lot of things, uh, and it's not necessarily like too many projects with like immediate deadlines, but even if it's like, I have like five projects and they all have, you know, different deadlines, all, all manageable and stuff like that, it still kind of blocks me a little bit. Um, because I, I try like it, it, it all goes in my head at once and I'm getting, I get confused about which project to start and which project I'm working on and context switching. Uh, so it, it becomes difficult for me and I've getting, I've been getting better at it, uh, as, as I'm going along, but, uh, it's still definitely one of those things that can bring me down. Um, and what I do is I started using more heavily task management applications like Asana. So whenever I get a, a task assigned to me, I will automatically put it into Asana and then I'll kind of, I'll see all my tasks at one place. So it's a little bit more manageable and then I'll start prioritizing and I'll start prioritizing with due dates. I'll start prioritizing based on uh, which, like which, which project came first and I'll start prioritizing based on different factors. And once you have a priority set and once you know which project to focus on, that kind of alleviates that issue for me. So I just need to know which project to focus on uh, at any single time. I don't like focusing on multiple projects all at once. Uh, it's a little bit difficult for me. So I really try to aim at one at a time. Uh, so next thing for me is uh, running into a problem that can take several days to solve. So if you have a, you know, an issue where, for example, your application needs to run for 24 hours and something's stopping it after like the five or six hour mark. Those problems are hard to come by or hard, hard to uh, diagnose and hard to solve because they're, they take such a long time to appear. So it's not like something you can like quickly prototype and test over and over and over again. No, you got to wait and you got to see what happens and sometimes you got to look. So sometimes those kind of things can demotivate you because uh, it's such a stopper, it's such a blocker into into what you're doing. And it, it just like I hate it when I can't solve something. I can't I have an issue that I can't solve, even if it's for like a couple of days, it just drives me nuts. Um, and that used to be a real big blocker for me. But what I do now is I kind of if I get to, into that situation where I'm actually getting frustrated, I'll take a step back uh, from the problem. So that could be, you know, going for a walk or something. But sometimes it'll be like, oh, if I'll take a step back from this project for, you know, maybe a day. I'll work on something smaller and easier, maybe like a, a feature that I've been wanting to implement onto another project uh, or maybe some client calls or maybe organizing my, you know, hours worked and stuff like that. I'll, I'll do something different, smaller and easier to do than solving this large problem. And usually what that'll do is it'll clear my mind and I'll go back into the problem with a different mindset and I'll nine times out of 10, I'll figure out a way to solve it after that. So clearing my mind has always worked for me to solve problems uh obviously there's you know certain issues that are so complicated that even that won't help but usually you can just taking a step back taking a couple deep breaths and working on something a little bit different will make your mind work a little bit differently and help you fix the problem uh next thing 
uh, is difficult clients. And I mean, everyone has to deal with difficult clients. Everyone has to deal with difficult coworkers, difficult people, just in general, just a, a difficult environment. Um, and this one's really tough because you, you, it's not like you, sometimes you can't choose who you deal with uh, and you just have to deal with them. It's kind of, it's one of those things that I think that school teaches us really well. And I think people take for granted. So having a bad teacher, having, you know, people that you just don't get along with and uh, tackling that head on. So if you're in high school or something and you have that bad teacher and you have those like people that you just can't seem to click with and they bother you to no to no end. I think the big thing for you is to take lessons from that being like how to deal with these people. Like, do I I. How do how do I work with people that are difficult? And the the more you kind of chip away at it, the easier it becomes to deal with them, and that'll prepare you for the real world, in my opinion. So, uh, when you're sitting there and ragging on a bad teacher, just think like this is just an opportunity for me to be able to turn it around and learn how to deal with these difficult people because it's not going to stop in school. I guarantee you, you will have you will have difficult people throughout your entire life. So. It's unfortunate, but like not everyone is compatible. A difficult person for you might be an easy person for someone else. It's just how we all are. We're all so different. It's just sometimes personalities just don't meld. So anyway, so if if you're at that point where you're starting to understand, uh, you you start to understand where you're, you're the person that you're dealing with comes from sometimes. So sometimes they just don't understand a technical aspect of what you're telling them and they get frustrated for that. And that frustrates you because they're getting frustrated. So you have to understand that, yes, they're getting frustrated, but it, it is a valid frustration on their part, uh, even if it's something that you don't understand why. Uh, so maybe try to explain it in a different way. Maybe try to approach the the person in a different way than you usually approach someone else that you have no problem with. So learning these kinds of little strategies can really help with with this kind of issue and, and having these kinds of issues is definitely a motivation blocker for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, damn, like I have this issue. I, I, I can't talk to this person. And it just, it brings me down because I like to be a person that that's easy to talk to. And I like to be able to, you know, communicate with everyone. It's not going to happen smoothly every single time. So when it does, it does bring me down, but I try to, I try to look at, look at it in a different way. And I try to take something away from that as well. And I try to find a way for us to communicate normally. So that that's all I can say on that subject. Um, the other thing is programmers envy. Uh, so programmers envy is something that like I think exists in every single industry uh, where it would be you know that industry's envy. So if you look at you know being a programmer and you go on Instagram and you're scrolling through all the different programmers uh, on Instagram and you see the crazy awesome things that they're doing and the crazy awesome people that they get to interface with and then you look at yourself and you're like oh I'm not doing that. Uh, why am I not doing that? Like, is it because they're better than me? Is it because they know more than me? Like, is it because they're smarter than me? And I think like, as soon as you get into that kind of mindset, you can really go down a, a very bad spiral. Because uh, as soon as you start looking at other people, there will always be 100% people that are better than you in some things. But there are all the on the other hand, there will always be people that are looking at you in the same kind of way. So it's important to kind of find a balance and instead of instead of getting envy from these people get motivation from them like see like oh man this guy is, this guy or this girl did something really interesting maybe i can do something really interesting as well with this kind of topic in mind so try to get motivation from it try not to focus on it if you're if you're someone that really like it really bothers you to see that kind of stuff then maybe don't look at it as much maybe look at it only once in a while maybe don't look at it at all 
Uh, focus on yourself, focus on what you can control and focus on what you can do going forward. Kind of like just chip away at something slowly and you'll get there. You'll get to a position where you'll be happy with what you what you have if you don't focus on what other people have. So I think that's good advice for in general any industry because you're going to find no matter what, there will always be someone that, you know, someone to look up to, someone to that 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 will you know, bo- like boggle your mind how good they are at something. And that's a good thing to have, in my opinion. So the ne- and the next one, the last one uh, is a, you know, again, it's across the board for any industry, any, especially any profession that you have to kind of do yourself, uh, which, which programming and web development is a lot of contract work. Uh, and it's a lot of things that you have to self motivate. Um, and procrastination is definitely a killer to self motivation. Uh, so Everyone, so I, I think anyone that I've ever talked to has had instances of procrastination that have really took them down and have really stopped their like stopped them in their tracks. And there's not one you know overarching way to solve procrastination. Um, I'll just I'll give an example of something that I try to do, and it usually works. Not all the time, even, but uh, what I do is I try to start something. So if I'm if I find myself procrastinating a lot, and that happens, I mean, like it happened to me probably a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where I was just sitting there on my computer and I probably wasted like three or four hours just looking at random things on the computer and I didn't even catch myself for for a while. And then all of a sudden I saw it and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? So as soon as I see that, I, I try to catch myself as soon as possible. And what I do is I, I look at my tasks and I see what small tasks I can accomplish right there and then. If there's like something that I can accomplish within five minutes, that's great. Because as soon as I accomplish a task, I get that kind of high where I want to accomplish another task. And I want to accomplish another task. And I try to kind of build on the smaller tasks and I go to the little harder tasks uh, once I do that. Um, and that that usually works for me. It's not a, it's not a, again, it's not a thing that works for everyone. Uh, but you can give it a shot if you haven't tried that yet. Uh, but procrastination is definitely a huge motivation blocker for a lot of people. And it's something that everyone should be working on themselves for because procrastinating, although sometimes you could argue where like maybe you need some a little bit of procrastination to clear your mind um i would say don't call it procrastination call it like clearing your mind or something and then have a very set time frame for for that because as soon as you have like a loose time frame then it turns into procrastination so yeah th- those are kind of my motivation like very short list of motivation blockers there's obviously more out there uh uh, I, and I'll just pass it off to Matt now because if he has anything to add or if he wants to move on to web news. Yeah, so I had a, I had, I had a couple things to add. So the first one was specifically for the difficult clients uh, thing. And you were mentioning like difficult teachers, difficult you know people. And uh, this is actually like a recent thing. So I don't know if you know who Dan Mace is on YouTube, but like he had – I've been watching his videos um, and – one of his, I think it was like an unrelated, he does like a little like unrelated note sometimes in his videos where like the video is about something, but like he has like an unrelated note in the beginning or somewhere within there. And one of the things that he said is like, um, uh, oh, sorry, not, not, not difficult clients. Sorry. Program, programmers envy is what I meant to say. Sorry. I was looking at the wrong line. So programmers mm-hmm. envy. So one of the things that he, he said was that everyone is in their own race and that like, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he's saying and kind of what I got from it, but He's like, everyone is in their own race. And so don't like look down or like make fun of that person for being in their own race. And so that, that, that should go for you as well. Like it kind of sounds like cheesy or something when you say that, where it's like, oh, you're just saying a motivational quote, but it makes a lot of sense, right? It's like, Mike and I have been in the industry for a while. 
but we've been down, you know, a very specific, as everyone has been down a very specific path. As a result, our skills generated in a certain way. But if you come to us tomorrow and say, hey, you guys have three, four years experience, you should know React JS perfectly. And we're like, no, I don't know that really at all. Not much. You know what I mean? And so that kind of like when since since people are generally hard on themselves, we'd be like, fuck, we must suck now. You know what I mean? But really, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, like, that's not how it is. It's because we went down this particular path. Like that person probably doesn't know anything about Vue. That person might not even know much about pure JS, HTML, CSS. They might only know React. They might only know web apps. We know websites too. They might not know any of the, you know, the tools we've used. They not might know, like they, they might not know Webflow, you know? So, you know, compare it to yourself and obviously like strive for things. Like, don't just be like, well, I'm, I'm great, you know, but like, that's just one thing that I, that him presenting that point that way kind of stuck with me where I was like, well, that makes more sense than just saying like, don't look down on yourself. Like, it makes sense that everyone is, is doing their own race. Like no one here wants, like no one here wants to be the bad programmer. No one here wants to be the bad, whatever, whatever field you're in the bad, like, you know, a developer of some sort, the bad handy person, like whatever, the bad plumber, no one wants to be the bad person. They're in their own race. And so like, I mean, there's obviously tensions that grow with that and stuff like that internally and with other people, but it's like, don't look down on someone who is just beginning or someone who maybe they just struggle with react to some reason. They just, they can't wrap their head around react. So they learn it at a quarter speed, but they're still going right. That's that really stuck with me. And then there's another point actually. So this one is actually for the difficult clients point. And it was with, it was from the, and again, a recent one, it was from the, you know, I don't know if you know this, Mike, the, the push on Netflix. Mm, nope. I don't think I've seen that. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a Netflix original where they, it, 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 I'm not talking specifically about that show. It's the, it's the guy who made it, but it's a show where they convince someone to try and to actually push someone off a roof. It's like, it's like a social experiment. It's really, really, really interesting. It's super interesting. Uh, it's really well done. You should really check it out. But anyway, the guy there, Darren Brown, um, he, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I watched the, watch most of the Joe Rogan episodes. And he said one of the things where he said, and again, I'm paraphrasing and with my own flavor here, he was saying that what, one of the things that really helped him with like, like social stuff like this, where you're dealing with difficult people is that you, you are just a person in that person's life as much as they are a person in your life. And he's like, once I realized that, I was like, I don't give a fuck now. Like, he's like, you know, obviously you have your motivations and you want to, you know, you will be annoyed by some people doing some stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, this guy is probably as annoyed that I do this as I am annoyed that he does whatever. And so I'm just a person in his life. He's just a person in my life and we're just living. So who cares? And that, again, that really stuck with me because I was like, it's a different way of presenting it in which it's like a more real way of saying that it's. It's more than just like your motivational quote you'll have on like a landscape background, if you will, right? A lot of these quotes are kind of equated to stuff like that, but the way he presented it is like a way better way of just saying like, you know, that, like, I mean, in his case, it's probably like, and and I'm just making up an example here, but it's like, it's probably like, man, that one, I don't know, that one script writer is a real pain in the ass, but at the end of the day, he brings me like a really nice script. So I'll deal with the fact that he's socially awkward and like weird or something, like he's doing something to piss everyone off, whatever it is, but Mm. like... He makes a really good script. So at the end of the day, my goal is to get a good script. His goal is to write a good script. So we're just moving together kind of thing. So that, I don't know, those two points really stuck with me. And those are like, those are really recent within the last month or so. So, and I'll, I'll link, I'll link those two, um, those two episodes 
uh, in the uh, in the show notes here if anyone wants to check them out. I mean, they're quite. I mean, the Dan Mace one's pretty pretty small, but the uh, the Joe Rogan show, of course, is a podcast, so it's rather lengthy. But anyway, let's move on to the web news, uh, which is scams. So just gonna go through it, and again, we'll have a conversation. So scams are becoming more frequent and more complex in our experience. There isn't a day that goes by that some sort of scam hits, like, you know, hits our inboxes, hits our email inboxes. And oftentimes, uh, they're screened by, like, most of the time they're screened by the, the spam filter, but however, like, with complexity, you know, and these, these, and the amount of scams that are growing, it's just, it's just, they often get through that level of defense and then we, we as the user get them in our inbox and then we have to filter our own inbox as well. And in addition to email scams, there's other things like there's phone scams, there's in-person scams, and people got to avoid all this. So you're kind of like walking among a minefield of scams. And one thing that we found is that email scams are actually getting harder and harder to notice. And the one and the one tell-all that used to always be there was like just check the from address. If the from address looks like BS, then it's 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 out. Now that still applies. However, now it's being spoofed to look legitimate in some cases. And so. One really recent example is the other day I received a properly a properly branded Cyber Monday email that looked like it was from Amazon, but it only led to a website that was trying to have me sign up for something and have an ad and everything else. So now what I have to do is I checked the from and it was from Amazon.com as far as I as far as I I could tell. So now what I have to do is I have to literally check the the actual hyperlinks of everything I click on now, even if it looks legitimate. And this is starting to become like a real pain in the ass. It's a real problem considering this was like, you know, Amazon had specific branding for Cyber Monday and it's one freaking day. And these guys like got that branding. Like they just grabbed the branding, put it together, sent it out in an email. So this was like a whole thing. The worst one is also something very recent. So we have someone that's impersonating us or specifically me in an email and was trying to get one of our clients to click on a link. However, there's a double, there's a double-edged sword here. He or we, sorry, we are also receiving fake emails that look like they're from him trying to get us to open a similar attachment. So luckily, like, you know, we've alerted everyone to saying like, hey, this is going on. Like, you know, watch out kind of thing. And it's like rather obvious, like it's one of those emails that have typos and that type of thing in it. But like, that's like really weird. Like, you know, it's like, because all they're doing is using our name and our name is public, obviously. And so it's one of those things where it's like somebody's just being like, oh, I'll just social engineer this thing. And get someone to click this link. And God knows what's in that freaking attachment. Um, however, so, or, or actually on one other story, which is another recent one. We've recently had a brand new business credit card compromised while it was still a safe at home. So we had like a random charge um, of some kind. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but a random charge of some kind appear on the card. And, I, and some other random fees or something. And I was like, well, it's not due yet. Like what? the hell so i thought maybe mike had done it and he's like well no that's your card and i was like well now what and called and sure enough it was it was a scam and whatever and they had to refund us do the fraud thing and it was a whole it was a whole deal i mean luckily there are systems in place but again like within a few weeks of each other we have like you know three like rather serious scams cyber monday this whole spoofing of like you know client to client to you know worker or whatever like you know us to them them to us and then also the the business credit card so Basically, what I'm, what the conversation I wanted to revolve around is like, what are your thoughts on scams? Have you fallen for any? And what can be done about this? Is this is this is fucking ridiculous? Like, to be blatantly honest. Yeah, um, and I don't know if I've fallen for any, but like, I definitely have. We we definitely have a few clients that have had serious issues with scams. Um, 
the one um the one client had a similar thing happen to what happened to us where someone used his name to contact his contacts list and asked them to go to a link and uh he was really frustrated because like he thought that his account was hacked. He thought that his email account was hacked. But as we found out later, because we were helping him with it, uh, they were just using his name and a random email address with like his name in it. So there's nothing you can do about that. And that's where the frustration comes from. So if someone like your name is public, they can just take your name, put it into make an email account with that name in it, put your name as the, you know, who it's from. And it, it could trick someone because they like they, you've developed trust with someone. So, what we i think that the 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 thing that should happen is pretty much any link that's from an email has to be assumed that it's a scam unfortunately so what you you can't send links at that point where you ha- where you ask people to log in so you have to we have to figure out a way to be able to send people links maybe through phones or maybe through something else where they they'll be able to contact like go into them from there but i like Personally, there's no way to stop that. Like, I don't see a way to stop that. And we have to tell them, like, listen, uh, like, we've done everything. We Like, your email is secured. Like, no one's hacked your email. So that's good. But the negative is that you can't, like, you can you can't stop this person from doing it. Uh, because, A, we don't know who this person is. Um, and, B, they're just making, like, an account with your name. This is not something that really you can defend against. They can do that to anyone. So what we suggested was, I think, send an email to all the people in his contact list, say that this is happening, be careful with it, kind of like what we did uh, for for our recent scam. So for email scams, I mean, if you have grandparents, big, big thing you want to do is A, tell them not to click on links in emails, or B, if they, if they think that there's something wrong, ask them to call you and... Uh, make you check like install a vpn on your on or like team viewer on your grandparents computers and you can always you know quickly jump in and check for them what it is they're clicking on uh because they're like it's they're obviously susceptible to this because they don't have the knowledge uh and the understanding of how the how the internet works and how people can use you know random name like your name or someone else's name to get to get something from them so definitely make sure that they're informed about stuff like that stuff like this is happening make sure that they're questioning what they're clicking on uh they're not going to be able to fall like you're not going to be able to stop everything because i know my grandparents they love the forwarding stuff and that that has just a massive amount of scammy stuff in it but so there's a virus here and there um but as long as i tell them like never send money over the internet never uh you know never put your password in any on any of these links like i never do this and that like i tell them you know specific things uh so far nothing serious has happened where they've lost any banking information they've lost any money uh the worst thing that's happened is like they've installed a stupid adware virus where ads would pop up everywhere or they've installed a virus where a man would walk up in the middle of the screen and say hey you've got mail and what the hell yeah that was a funny one like i would i i got a call from my grandpa and uh He's like, I, there's a man that's walking across my screen and like yelling "a" to me, and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that's, <laughs> like I, I don't like I. I was so confused, but then when I logged into his computer, there was actually a man in a butler outfit walking into the walking into the middle of the screen and like yelling "a" and saying you've they've got mail. So there's random things out there. Know that they exist and know that you can always you know start restore windows that's it like worst case scenario that's what you got to do unfortunately well um, the, the scary thing is ransomware 
because that that will typically in my in I mean I've never I've never had a first party experience, but from what I've been told, it'll it'll also lock. It'll go through the network and can lock other computers, but it'll lock yes. like the drive, like the whole drive. And yeah. so, so you're like you're fucked. Like it's bad. Yeah, so, like it's real bad. So for for that kind of stuff, uh, the cloud helps. So like if you, if all your documents and pictures are in the cloud, then you say okay, ransomware, delete everything. That's it. Like you just fresh format of Windows. Um, but obviously that that doesn't happen to everyone. I know, uh, like. I know, I know of someone that got ransomware, and they they lost a bunch of their images and stuff. But they like, I'm pretty sure they even paid the ransom, but they never got the unlock key. Oh yeah, because so, like, because yeah. no one, no, there's no one that's enforcing the receiving of an unlock key. So it's just it's just an unfortunate event, and yeah, you lose if you don't have it backed up, you'll lose everything, and that sucks. So it really is a shitty situation, and the the scammers are getting more and more intelligent, um, and like. It's just it's unfortunate. I I don't have a full like you know catch all solution for you. For there there, there really is none. Like the catch all used yeah. to be, they would be ra- like poorly written. I mean, if we're talking specifically about emails, they'd be poorly written emails, poorly written emails that would have you know really awkward links. Uh, they would be scams like oh I'm a prince and I need money or something, uh, or oh like ten million dollars is you know supposed to be deposited into your account but I need a hundred right now or something. Those are like rather obvious, right? Um, yeah. Those are like obvious scams from you know God knows where because anyone can write those emails, and mm-hmm. like it's it's a whole like I mean so those were easy, right? Bad spelling, we, like actual scammy behavior, like those, you know, like the ones where they want you to send money. Um, all of those are like rather obvious, and I I would say the spam filter catches a lot of those. But there's been ones now where like I've gone through it and like th- there's there's really there's really fucked up ones where um there's really like it's really serious so they'll do like a PayPal scam where it'll it'll be I mean a CRA scam too but there's there's like a PayPal scam that goes around where they're like oh like thanks for the, your purchase or something and that immediately makes you freak out and the worst part is is like those things they always set off the alarm bells even if you're used to scams because I've actually had it where it said thanks for your purchase. And it actually was someone broke into my Skype and started buying minutes, like just tons and tons of minutes. And then I had to like call Skype, deal with that whole thing. My account got locked. I wasn't allowed back in. It was a dead part of my Microsoft account. It was a big mess. And like they refunded all my money because they realized that like, I mean, eventually their automated system even caught it because it was just going ham. But like, it's, it's just people breaking into stuff and like, you know, easily getting in through things. And there's been, there's Apple emails that are like super, super legitimate looking, but they're fake, super legitimate looking, proper styles, proper colors, proper everything, uh, face, I think I've had a couple of Facebook ones. And then in Canada here, CRA, which is essentially the IRS of Canada, uh, we have like CRA scams and those are, those are done on the computer, but those are also done over the phone. So people will call and be like, you're under arrest unless you pay us a thousand dollars or whatever. Um, I've had ones where I've had people call where they're like, you just want a trip, like press one. So I'll just press one. And then yeah. I remember I went on there and I was like, can you like stop calling? Cause you've been calling over and over again. And I know this is a scam. And then the guy just was like, well then don't press one, you idiot. And then hung up. Uh, like that's what he told me. He's like, don't press one, you idiot. It's mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. you keep calling me. You're calling me. Don't, don't call me. Like, just stop interrupting me. Stop calling me. So there's, there's that whole thing. There's like the whole like, you want a cruise. That's a really famous one. Yeah. Uh, there's that whole thing. And it's like it, one, one catch all 
it's not a catch. I shouldn't say it's a catch-all. But one thing that I will say is, if there's a major problem with your account, your account will reflect it. And I don't mean bank account. I mean an account. So let's hypothetically say your Facebook thinks it got hacked or something like that. Um, or your PayPal said, thanks for your purchase. And you go to the email. You don't download anything, right? Don't download. Don't click any links. But you're like, this email seems fishy. This this seems suspicious. I didn't actually buy anything. Just go to PayPal, log in, and see if it's there. If it's not, scam. Because if there's an actual alert or something serious going on in your account, it will be reflected on that service itself. Because if they're actually legit, and I'm talking in general, like in, in a general thing, right? Maybe some places won't do this. But in general, like especially PayPal, if it says thanks for your purchase, you're like, I didn't buy anything. So you go to PayPal, you go look, and there isn't anything in your purchase history. That's a scam email. Same with um, mm-hmm. same with something like, you know, Facebook or whatever. If they say, oh, your Facebook's in hack, like make sure you click this to change your password. I just go to Facebook and then Facebook interrupts me and says, hey, we found some suspicious activity and we're going to change your password. If they don't do that, then I know that email was just a scam. So one of the things is to like go to the email, be like, that's nice. And then go to the actual service by n- and do not click any of those links. Don't download anything and go and check that. Another thing too, is we notice that people are using the wrong language. So like people, because we're Canadian, they'll often use French just in emails in scam emails. So mm-hmm. that's one that's one kind of tell tell all where you're like, well, that person doesn't has ever spoke French to me, and like, uh, I think this is a scam. <laughs> like, it's a, you know what I mean? That's a tell all for that's probably a Canada specific thing. Maybe also in France, I'm not I'm not sure. Like in other countries mm-hmm. as well. Like if someone's sending it in the wrong wrong language, uh, but I, I mean in Canada specifically, we have the French the the, the French scam for some reason. Um, so there's that. It's a oh man, it's it's a mess, man. Like I was when yeah. when we had that credit card scam, like I literally I I remember I remember I was on the phone, I was on doing something. I think it was like I think I was on my PlayStation or something playing with some folks and then I was like I got to go, I got to call the bank. Call the bank, deal with that. And I came back and they're like what happened? I explained it to them and then I was like I was just like right off my rocker. And the first thing out of my mouth was like if you're a scammer, I'm like you should get minimal 25 years super max level 5. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, because there's a, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the punishment. Like I was off my rocker when I said that. Right. Yeah. Like I was fucking mad. But, um, one of the things that I'm finding is that like, it's, there's a difference between accidentally doing something and doing it intentionally. It's not like you accidentally screwed someone out of a credit card number. It's not like you accidentally yeah. chose a different payment method and that per- person's card was there. There wasn't a glitch in the system. You, however you did it, grabbed the credit card number via hacking or social engineering or however they did it. You intentionally grabbed it. Maybe you sold it or however that works. And then mm-hmm. then someone either purchased it or you used it yourself and you went and bought things on this person's credit card. It's not an accident. Like you, you are aware that you're not supposed to be doing it and you went and did it. And that's so different than something going wrong or something done in the heat of the moment. This is a planned, coordinated attack because it has to be because there's like, the base security systems of any sys- of any system or service are going to stop the guys that are just nonchalantly trying to scam people, right? And so, like, if you're being like, if you like, I mean, maybe you're forced into it or something. I don't know. I don't know how all that works. Don't quote me there. I have no idea how all this stuff works. But like, if you are in, if you are intentionally screwing people over, like. Is there a forgiveness there? I don't know that there is. Well, it's it's a crime. It, they do go to they do go to jail, and there have been now increasing amount of cases where they have gone to jail. 
uh, if when, when they're found out. But it seems a lot of these uh, quote unquote hackers or scammers uh, don't care. Like I've, I've there, there's a few podcasts out there. Uh, Reply All has a couple uh, on on this topic. And pretty much like they they found these people and they've talked to them and they're very much um, either they hate the people that they're scamming or they're very much non-empathetic and they don't give a crap about the people and uh, like zero cares about what they're doing. They're just doing it because they can and because they can generate money from it and they don't even care. They don't even they're they're at such a point where they don't care if they go to jail for it because they think that they're just so cool that they can do this kind of stuff uh that they'll just keep doing it regardless of the the threat of jail or not so they're in my opinion they're just generally just shitty people with like the lowest of the low kind of people um and even a threat of jail time regardless of the the amount won't do anything for them because they might be too young to understand what that means they might be just so empathetic about life in general like they could be just in a depressive state anyway that they just and the depressive state kind of snowballs into this like general hate for society and for people around them they just don't even care like they they that's fine they'll go to jail they don't care like they're at least they're they're hurting some people and they're they're getting money from it like they're happy they're happy to do that like the the payoff for them is way higher than the fact that they're have a risk of going to jail like these are very much people that we cannot relate to. This is the problem. Like we can't like go in and have a conversation with these people and find some sort of middle ground where we're like, well, why are you doing this? You know, like are you... There, there is no doing that. Like it's these people are just from one scenario to another. Like there could be, like you said, like there could be a forced quote unquote forced uh, way of becoming because they're poor or something but really that i haven't seen that i haven't seen this because they're poor it's i think it's more because they can and they just hate their hate is very high their hate for regular people for people that are just going through life doing their thing uh is very very high like they really hate those kinds of people uh the the regular norm normal people out there they freaking hate them like they think that they're the worst thing that society can ever do uh, for and it's irrational, one hundred percent irrational on their part. But that's how they see it, and they'll do anything they can to make life worse for those kinds of people. That's such a that's such a weird motivation. It's like you're not going after people that are attacking other people. You're going after the people that are just going through. Yeah, it's like what, what a. Yeah, that's really it's, it's weird. A bizarre. It's a bizarre. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. You know, whatever. I don't know whether that would be mm-hmm. the people they would need to talk to. I don't know. I'm not a like uh, we're the technical guys. We're talking about technically what they're doing to scam people but it's like those microsoft people i i'd let her rip on there man like i swear a little bit on here but i i let them rip on there like the instant you tell me that my computer is 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 done i just i open up every 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 word in the book (laughs) and like that doesn't do anything other than lets me vent but it's like the mic like the microsoft scam is so ridiculous like i i remember walking in and my my dad was on the phone, and he's like, "Well, this person says something about our computer is down," and I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's it! Like everyone out of the room, <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, that." That and the um, Revenue Canada scam it pisses me off as well because it actually gets people to get nervous and riled up. <clears throat> I get pretty angry with them too. Um, a, a thing you can do, and here's a little like hint on how to get get to them a little bit, is uh, talk about how. Their family is disappointed in what they're doing. For some reason, that always riles them up. Yeah, they really don't like it when you talk about their families. Um, and I don't say anything like, 
I don't swear or anything. I just like in a disappointed voice. I'm like, your family must be so disappointed in what you're doing. And that always, Whoa, at least nine out of ten ah, times, that's, that's, yeah, that sets them off hard. And like, I find that that gets me a little bit of satisfaction enough for me to like <laughs> oh then God. hang up the phone and be happy and go on with my day. But yeah, like they they do not like it when you you reference their families. So um, I don't know what it is. Again, I try to get back at them in 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 some little way because I know that they're taking advantage of you know the the older folks and the people that don't know better and I, I just want to get something out of it but yes that that uh that's a little little tidbit for you see if we can spread spread some hate on this holiday Jesus christmas Christ. christmas season <laughs> um yeah so uh that's that's what i'd like to say the the other thing actually to to protect yourself um and this is mentioned like you like you mentioned social engineering a bit uh it's really easy for someone to go if they have a few important details like your postal code, your name, uh, just and your phone number, like if they have those details, they could easily social engineer themselves to get a SIM card with your number on it. And I know a lot of people out there use their phone number as a secondary validate verification, second verification for their important accounts like their credit card account and their email accounts and stuff like that. Essentially an authenticator over, over exactly. SMS. Exactly. I have stopped doing that completely what i've done is on my gmail account i have removed my phone number as uh my secondary authentication so it's no longer tied to my phone number i have an authenticator app on my phone which you know how you have to go through the account to set up so that's not that's not an issue and then the second my second authentication um i believe is just random codes that they generated and i just printed them off and stored them somewhere like like actual physical codes so if anything were to happen, if I if I lost the authenticator, uh, I would have to use those codes. That's that's how I'm gonna do it. It's a little bit of a risk, but I'm not. I I don't trust the phone number thing anymore, just because I've seen too many times where people have been able to social engineer themselves into stealing a phone number and uh, getting that um like get, getting 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 your phone number will pretty much get you into any account because people just use that as a secondary. Uh, verifier authenticator um, another thing you can do is that, also just like the yeah. actual well i think you said that authenticator app right yeah so your secondary yeah. is a, sorry just to interrupt but like is a your secondary is a is a code yes my secondary thing like so my my, my primary like i have a password i have the authenticator app and then my my third thing which is usually the phone number right like if you want to recover something oh yeah 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 uh i took that off and and what they do google at least offers you and i know discord does as well uh offers you to create like certain amount of codes that are one-time use codes that you can do to generate to get into your account as a secondary authentication and i literally printed those off and stored them in a safe place and that's it what a what a world we live in honestly yeah exactly and then for everything else i use randomly generated passwords and my uh authenticator and my password manager and like the password manager will just keep all that information for me. And um, I don't link my phone number to anything. I link my my email as my secondary uh, like authentication. So my email is the thing that's super secured, and everything else goes to my email. And that's what I'm. That's my goal now. Well, the thing, the thing, and everything gets its own password. The thing is too is it's like is it, uh, see like I'd be worried about that password authenticator or the password manager. Again, like I've I've done enough research into this password manager that I know that it's all locally stored. Like it's just stored on my on my personal first of all, it's stored on my personal uh computer encrypted 
using a regular encryption key that I have. And then it's also encrypted and stored onto Google Drive, like my Google Drive. So I can access it through a, through a sync. But it's also encrypted on there. So even if someone were to steal that file, they'd have to get my encryption key to get it. So it's, a, it's like a triple authenticator. Like you can't, it'd be very, very difficult. Like you'd have to social engineer yourself into it somehow. I don't even know how, because like if you call the company that I'm using, they don't have my encrypt, the encryption key and my password. Like that's locally stored. So they, it's not, there's no way of them getting through, through my, through the secure, through the actual company. They would have to get through me. That's, so that, that's pretty good. Logger. They'd have to put a key logger on my computer and then, you know, log the password that I put in and that could do it. That's a potential. But then they'd also need your authenticator. Yes. Yes. They'd also, they'd also need my authenticator for Google. Like to log into my account, you actually have to log into Google as well to log into my uh, password account because I use G drive. So it's like a double, it's like a triple. Like I, I, there's no way that they could do it. I wouldn't say that, especially not on air. Yeah, it's true. Well, whatever. I, I'm not challenging anyone. I'm not saying what application I use either. So it'd be like, I don't know. I, it would be tough. I, I do know people that just use Notepad, and that's uh, that's not good. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I know people. Yeah, exactly. I know people that still use paper and pencil too, which is also probably pretty secure. It's um, pretty secure if the area in which the paper is stored is secure. Yes, exactly. Like again, if people get into your area, then <sighs> regardless, I, I'm trying my best here. Like if it, it nothing is 100 percent secured. I also treat online as a very like 100% viewable. Like I'll never post something online that I wouldn't say in person. I'm very much an open book online. Um, Cause I know that anyone could view any posts. Like I know that anything like even private emails are obtainable. So I don't even, in, even in a private email, I will not do something that I wouldn't do if like, if I were to post it online, that's kind of how I treat the internet. Unfortunately, banking is on there. I do do banking online. Uh, I try to do mi- very minimal debit banking online. Uh, I do mostly credit because, you know, fraud detection does help. Yeah, I've, I've basically um, so. moved all purchases. Because, I mean, I'm just paying the credit card at the end of the month anyway, and I might yeah. as well get the points. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, po- points and the de- and the fraud and stuff like that. And then you also get, like, warranties and stuff through credit cards. And This, so, this, this yeah. world we live in... That's- yeah, that's the world we live in, unfortunately. There's not much we can go from there. So, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add to this. Uh, buy a BlackBerry. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I mean, the key to is good, but like, uh, like, I mean, that that's, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a secure device, right? Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, it's running Android, so you still got to be careful just with whatever apps you're using and stuff. And obviously with social engineering, that's, you know, through SMS or an email or something, but. You know, if you're really, really into security, I mean, there's devices meant for that. The BlackBerry is one of them. And yep. another thing too is like, oh, this is just greasy. I don't, I don't know even know what to say. This is just, this is such a weird. Like, we've entered such a weird stage of like the of like the, our digital world, where mm-hmm. it's just, it's just like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, what is happening? Yeah, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but. Anyway, I mean, I guess everything was easy to social engineer. I bet you, like, people were social engineering, like, fake magazine subscriptions or something back in the day. Probably. Yep. Something like that. So, who, who knows? But, what a mess. 
uh, what a mm-hmm. mess we have. So be careful out there, everybody. Don't be clicking links. Don't be downloading attachments unless you know they're legitimate. And uh, don't be don't be don't be like open with that password or anything like that. But anyway, uh, I think we're good to conclude because I think we've literally beat the topic of scams to death. So, uh, like, like I already said, we're on Patreon and please leave a review. I don't want to go through that whole spiel again. However, uh, we are on the socials. So we're at, uh, HTML, all the things, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. We are at HTML, everything on Twitter. We're on medium. We're on GitHub. I have a, I have a guide coming soon pending all this Christmas craziness. And then I want to actually write a bunch of content in 2019. Once all these holidays have cleared. I want to get used to like quickly banging out content. That's one of my goals here uh, as well. Also, the like I said, holiday season's coming up. So our episode schedule might be weird for two weeks. So, you know, we have uh, Christmas and New Year's. That's the that's the ones that we celebrate here. So um, uh, next week is really tentative because I think the Christmases might be on the Wednesday or is it Tuesday? Something. I don't know. Tuesday. It's on the Tuesday, mm-hmm. so like you know, th- there's that whole thing, family and stuff, and then literally one week later is is the is New Year's, which is like a whole other thing as well because it's right around Wednesday, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, so our episode schedule for the next couple of weeks might be tentative. Um, I feel like we should upload something just to kind of keep on it, but I mean, it is the holiday season, so I'm just warning everyone right now that there's going to be some inconsistency there, but we will be back in 2019 for sure as well so just something there um one of the things we are planning on doing and it is a plan but it's not a commitment at this time due to the busyness is we may just do a tidbit or two just fire out a tidbit or tidbit or like tidbit every week like for the two weeks or maybe even one or maybe not at all but i'm just saying so if you see a weird upload schedule i mean that's why and if you guys are maybe that'll let some people catch up as well because i know people are still coming from the beginning they're starting at number one and going through right now so anyway make sure you check us out on all those socials the patreon and leave a review and we are signing off